statements uh, about what the other candidates will do with respect to the borders. I built that border fence in San Diego and it does work. It's a, now, you know, we built a double fence. We had the number one smugglers corridor in America with most of the illegal aliens and most of the drugs that came into the entire country coming in through that number one corridor between Tijuana, Mexico and San Diego, California. We built the double border fence with a road in between and we reduced the smuggling of people and drugs by more than 90%. And as a result of that, the crime rate, the crime rate in the city of San Diego went down by 53% by FBI statistic. And as a result of that, I wrote the law that the president signed last October 26, incidentally, passed the Senate 80 to 19, that mandates 854 miles of double border fence across Arizona, New Mexico, and Texas. Now, the administration has $800 million on, on, on hand right now, cash on hand. They haven't built a linear inch of that fence in Texas. And as president of the United States, I would build the double border fence, all 854 miles in six months. Next question. That's is my commitment. that there were a few mistakes but uh, that I made that uh, I have just recently cleared up. I'd like to just continue to be able to express myself as best as I can in history. And I feel like I have a lot of work to do still. You know, I'm a student of the drums. And I'm also a teacher of the drums too. My name is Keith Kerr. Santa Rosa, California. I'm a retired Brigadier General with 43 years of service, and I'm a graduate of the Special Forces Officer Course, the Command and General Staff Course, and the Army War College. And I'm an openly gay man. I want to know why you think that American men and women in uniform are not professional enough to serve with gays and lesbians. I want to point out that Brigadier General Keith Kerr is here with us tonight. Glad you're here. I'll give the question to Congressman Hunter. Yeah. yeah. Uh, General, General, thanks for your service, but I believe in what Colin Powell said when he said that having openly homosexual people serving in the ranks would be bad for unit cohesion. And the reason for that, even though people point to the Israelis and point to the Brits and point to other people as having homosexuals serve, is that most Americans, most kids who leave that, that breakfast table and go out and serve in the military and make that corporate decision with their family, most of them are conservatives. And they have conservative values. And they have Judeo-Christian values. And to force those people to work in a small, tight unit with somebody who is homo openly homosexual, that goes against what they believe to be their principles, and it is their principles, is I think a disservice to them, and I, I agree with Colin Powell that it would be bad for unit cohesion. I want to uh, direct this to uh, Governor Huckabee, 30 seconds. 
The Uniform Code of Military Justice is probably the best rule, and it has to do with conduct. People have a right to have whatever feelings, whatever attitudes they wish, but when their conduct could put at risk the morale, or put at risk even the cohesion that, Dunner's, uh, that uh, Duncan Hunter spoke of, I think that's what is at issue, and that's why our policy is what it is. Governor Romney, you said in 1994 that you looked forward to the day when gays and lesbians could serve, and I quote, openly and honestly in our nation's military. Do you stand by that? This isn't that time. This is not that time. We're in the middle of a war. The people who have watched... Do you look forward to that time, though, one day? I, I can listen to the people who run the military to see what the circumstances are like. And, and my view is that, that at this stage, this is not the time for us to make that kind of a change. Is that a change in your position from the... Yeah, I didn't think it would work. I didn't think, if you don't ask, don't tell it would work. That was my... I didn't think that would work. I thought that was a policy. When I heard about it, I laughed. I said, that doesn't make any sense to me. And you know what? It's been there now for, what, 15 years? seems to have worked. So just so I'm clear, at this point, do you still look forward to a day when gays can serve openly in the military or no longer? I look forward to hearing from the military exactly what they believe is the right way to have the right kind of cohesion and support in our, in our troops, and I'll listen to what they have to say. All right. General Kerr is, uh, as I said, is here. Please stand up, General. Uh, thank you very much for being with us. Did you feel you got an answer to your question? With all due respect, I did not get an answer from the candidates. What, what, what do you, what do you American, feel you do not? American men and women in the military are professional enough to serve with gays and lesbians. For 42 years, I wore a unif army uniform on active duty in the reserve and also for the state of California. I revealed I was a gay man after I retired. Today, don't ask, don't tell is destructive to our military policy. Every, every day the Department of Defense discharges two people, not for misconduct, not for the unit uh, cohesion, but simply because they happen to be gay. Okay. And we're talking Senator about McCain. doctors, nurses, pilots, and the surgeon right. who, who sews, sews somebody up when they're taken from the battle. I appreciate your comment, Senator McCain. I want to give you 30 seconds. You served in the military. General, I thank you for your service to our nation. I respect it. All the time I talk to our military leaders, beginning with our Joint Chiefs of Staff and the leaders in the field, such as General Petraeus and General Odierno and others who are designated leaders with the responsibility of the safety of the men and women under their command their security and protect them as best they can. Almost unanimously, they tell me that this present policy is working, that we have the best military in history, we have the bravest, most professional, best prepared, and that this policy ought to be continued because it's working. All right. to be able to continue to let what is inside of me, which is, which comes from all the music that I hear, you know, I'd like for that to come out. And it's like, it's not really me that's coming. The music's coming through me. The music's coming through, music's coming through, music's coming
Fox, lifetime member of the NRA. Now I'm from a small town, and as in any small town, we like our big guns. So my question to you is, what is your opinion of gun control? And don't worry, you can answer however you like. Congressman Hunter, I'll give that to you in 90 seconds. Well, first, I, I gotta, I've got to inform Jay that uh, as, a, uh, as a guy who got his first hunting license at the age of 10 and really believes in, in the right to keep and bear arms and used them in the military as my son did in, uh, in Fallujah, you should never throw a gun to a person. He should have taken that gun handed off from his, uh, from his fellow hunter. So you got to be safe with guns, Jay. But, but the right to keep and bear arms is an important element of community security, home security and national security and I think it's a tradition the tradition of the American soldier from Bunker Hill to New Orleans to the rooftops of Fallujah the right to keep and bear arms and use them effectively is an important part of America's security and I will strongly enforce the Second Amendment as President of the United States. topic, which is foreign policy, our first question. Good evening, gentlemen. My name is Yasmin Ohadi, and I hail from Huntsville, Alabama. My question has to do with the current crisis in Iraq, as well as the U.S. efforts in Afghanistan. After living abroad personally in the Middle East for a year, I realized just how much damage the Iraq war and the perception of invasion has done to the image of America. What would you do as president to repair the image of America in the eyes of the Muslim world? What would you do as president to repair the image of America in the eyes of the Muslim world? What would you do as president to repair the image of America in the eyes of the Muslim world? Mayor Giuliani, 90 seconds. Well, the most important thing to do is to make certain we remain on offense against Islamic terrorism.
democratic debate, and not a single one of those democratic candidates used the word Islamic terrorism. I don't know who they think they're offending. The people they're offending are the people we want to offend, the Islamic terrorists. And not, and not decent people like Yasmin. We are intelligent enough and good enough as Americans to make this distinction. What would you do as president to repair the image of America in the eyes of the Muslims? Well, I do a lot of things, but the first and most important and vital element is to continue this surge which is succeeding and we are winning the war in Iraq. That's the first thing I would do. And I would make sure that we do what we can to help reconstruct the country, to help the Maliki government move forward as rapidly as possible to train the police. But I'll tell you one other thing we're going to do, is we're going to fight back the Democrats' efforts to set a date for withdrawal, which is a date for surrender. Now, my friends, I'm the only one on this stage. I'm the only one on this stage that said that the Rumsfeld strategy was failing and was doomed to failure. I'm the only one on this stage that said we've got to have a new strategy and that's the strategy we're employing now. And I got a lot of heat when I said that that strategy was failing and it had to be changed because I've had the experience and the background and the knowledge of every national security issue we faced for the last 20 years. And I'm telling you that if we continue this strategy, we can succeed. And if we'd have done what the Democrats said to do six months ago, Al-Qaeda would be telling the world they beat America. This is a lot at stake here, my friends. And thank God for the young men and women who are sending the message. I repeat to you again, after having been there over Thanksgiving weekend, let us win. Let us win.
Seattle, Washington. Hello, gentlemen. I'm Andrew, and I'm a college student from Seattle, Washington. Recently, Senator McCain has come out strongly against using waterboarding as an instrument of interrogation. My question for the rest of you is, considering that Mr. McCain is the only one with any first-hand knowledge on the subject, how can those of you sharing the stage with him disagree with his position? Well, he certainly is an expert, and, and, uh, and, I, and I certainly would want to get his counsel on a matter of this nature, but I do not believe that as a, a presidential candidate, it is wise for us to describe precisely what techniques we will use in interrogating people. I oppose torture. I would not be in favor of torture in any way, shape, or form. Is waterboarding torture? And, and, and as I just said, as a presidential candidate, I don't think it's wise for us to describe specifically which measures we would and would not use. Well, Governor, I'm astonished that you haven't found out what waterboarding is. I know what waterboarding is, Senator. Then I'm astonished that you would think such a, uh, such a torture would be inflicted on anyone in our cat who we are held captive, and anyone could believe that that's not torture. It's in violation of the Geneva Conventions. It's in violation of, of existing law. And, Governor, let me tell you, we're going to get the high ground in this world, and we're going to be America that we have cherished and loved for more than 200 years. We're not going to torture people. We're not going to do what Paul Pot did. We're not going to do what's being done to Burmese monks as we speak. And I suggest that you talk to retired military officers and active duty military officers like Colin Powell and others. And how in the world anybody could think that that kind of thing could be inflicted by Americans on people who are held in our uh, custody is absolutely beyond me. Governor Romney, 30 seconds to respond, please. Senator McCain, um, I, I appreciate your, your strong response and, and, uh, and you have the credentials upon which to make that response. I did not say, and I do not say that, we're in that I'm in favor of torture. I am not. I'm not going to specify the, the specific means of what is and what is not torture so that our, the people that we capture will know what things we're able to do and what things we're not able to do. Senator McCain, 30 seconds to respond. Well, then you would have to advocate that we withdraw from the Geneva Conventions, which were for the treatment of people who were held prisoner, whether they be illegal combatants or regular prisoners of war, because it's clearly the definition of torture. It's in, def it's in violation of laws we have passed, and again, I would hope that we would understand, my friends, that life is not 24 and Jack Bauer. Life is interrogation techniques which are humane and yet effective. And I just came back from visiting prison in Iraq. The Army General there said that te the techniques under the Army Field Manual are working and working effectively, and he didn't think they need to do anything else. My friends, this is what America is all about. This is a defining issue. And clearly, we should be able, if we want to be Commander-in-Chief of the U.S. Armed Forces, to take a definite and positive position on, and that is we will never allow torture to take place in the United States.
all want to help one another. Human beings are like that. We want to live by each other's happiness, not by each other's misery. We don't want to hate and despise one another. In this world, there's room for everyone. The good earth is rich. It can provide for everyone. The way of life can be free and beautiful. But we have lost the way. I'm Joseph, I'm from Dallas, Texas, and how you answer this question will tell us everything we need to know about you. Do you believe every word of this book? And I mean specifically this book that I'm holding in my hand. Do you believe this book? I think we got his question, Mayor Giuliani. <laughs> well, do I, I need to help you out, Mayor, on this one. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was it? I said, do I need to help you out on this one here? You want me to help you out? I need. Wait a second. You're the minister. You're going to help me out on this. <laughs> I'm trying to help you out. Okay. The the, the reality is. I believe it, but I don't believe it necessarily literally true in every single respect. I think there are parts of the Bible that are interpretive. I think there are parts of the Bible that are allegorical. I think there are parts of the Bible that are um, meant to be interpreted in a, in a modern context. So, yes, I believe it. I think it's the greatest book ever written. I, I read it frequently. Uh, I read it very frequently when I've gone through the bigger crises in my life, and I find great wisdom in it. And it does define, to a very large extent, my faith. But I don't believe every single thing in the literal sense of Jonah being in the belly of the whale, or, you know, there, there are some things in it that I think were put there as allegorical. Governor Romney. <laughs> I believe the Bible is the Word of God, absolutely. And uh, I try. I try to live by it as well as I can, but I, I miss it in a lot of ways. Uh, but it's a guide for, for my life and for uh, hundreds of millions, billions of people around the world. I believe in the Bible. Does that mean you believe every word? Uh, uh, you know, yeah, I believe it's the, the Word of God. The, the Bible is the Word of God. I mean, I, 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 I'm, I might interpret the word differently than you interpret the word, but I read the, I read the Bible and I believe the Bible is the Word of God. I don't disagree with the Bible. I try and live by Governor it. Governor Huckabee? I believe the Bible is exactly what it is. It's the word of revelation to us from God himself. And the fact is that when people ask, do we believe all of it, you either believe it or you don't believe it. But in the greater sense, I think what the question tried to make us feel like was that, well, if you believe the part that says, go and pluck out your eye. Well, none of us believe that we ought to go pluck out our eye. That obviously is allegorical. But the Bible has some messages that nobody really can confuse and really not left up to interpretation. Love your neighbor as yourself. And as much as you've done it to the least of these brethren, you've done it unto me. Until we get those simple, real easy things right, I'm not sure we ought to spend a whole lot of time fighting over the other parts that are a little bit complicated. Even now my voice is reaching millions throughout the world. Millions of despairing men, women and little children. Victims of a system that makes men torture and imprison innocent people. To those who can hear me I say, do not despair. The misery that is now upon us is but the passing of greed, the bitterness of men who fear the way of human progress. But we have lost the way.
Hi, this is Tyler Overman from Memphis, Tennessee, and I have a quick question for those of you who would call yourselves Christian conservatives. The death penalty. What would Jesus do? You know, one of the toughest challenges that I ever faced as a governor was carrying out the death penalty. I did it more than any other governor ever had to do it in my state. As I look on this stage, I'm pretty sure that I'm the only person on this stage that's ever had to actually do it. Let me tell you, it was the toughest decision I ever made as a human being. I read every page of every document of every case that ever came before me because it was the one decision that came to my desk that once I made it, it was irrevocable. Every other decision somebody else could go back and overturn, could fix if it was a mistake, that was one that was irrevocable. I believe there is a place for a death penalty. Some crimes are so heinous, so horrible, that the only response that we as a civilized nation have for a most uncivil action is not only to try to deter that person from ever committing that crime again, but also as a warning to others that some crimes truly are beyond any other capacity for us to fix. Now, having said that, there are those who say, how can you be pro-life and believe in a death penalty? Because there's a real difference between the process of adjudication where a person is deemed guilty after a thorough judicial process and is put to death by all of us as citizens under a law, as opposed to an individual making a decision to terminate a life that has never been deemed guilty because the life never was given a chance to even exist. Governor, That's the fundamental difference. I, I do have to, though, press the, the question, which the, the question was from the viewer was, what would Jesus do? Would Jesus support the death penalty? Jesus was too smart to ever run for public office, Anderson. That's what Jesus would do. Congressman Tancredo, 30 seconds. The question is, what would Jesus do? Well, I'll tell you this. I would pray to him for the wisdom and the courage to do the right thing. And I believe that with, uh, he would give it to me. And I believe that justice was done in the, in the situations that the governor has explained. And as I say, I look to him for guidance in all these things. My name is Journey, I'm from Texas, and this question is for all politically pro-life candidates. In the event that abortion becomes illegal and a woman obtains an abortion anyway, what should she be charged with and what should her punishment be? What about the doctor who performs the abortion? Congressman Paul, 90 seconds. You know, it's uh, not a federal function to determine the penalties for uh, a crime of abortion if it's illegal in a state. It's up to the state, it's up to the juries. And it should be up to discretion because uh, it, it's not an easy issue to deal with. But the first thing we have to do is get the federal government out of it. We don't need a federal abortion police. That's the last thing that we need.
But for should, the should a woman be charged with a crime? The, pardon me? Should a woman be charged with a crime? I don't personally think so. I'm an OB doctor, and I practice medicine for 30 years, and I, of course, never saw one time when a, a medically necessary abortion had to be done. But uh, so I, I think it, it certainly is a crime, uh, but I also understand the difficulties. I think when you're talking about third trimester deliberate abortion and partial birth abortions, I mean, there has to be a criminal penalty for the person that's committing that crime. But I really think it's the person who commits the crime, and I think that is the abortionist. So, so you're saying a doctor should be punished. What sort of punishment should they get? I think it's up to the states. I'm not in the state. I'm not in. I'm not running for governor, and I think it's different. And I don't think it should be all 50 states the same way. So uh, I, I don't think that should be up to the Senator president Thompson. to decide that. Yeah, the young lady's question is the, the young lady's question is premised on if abortion becomes illegal. Right. That presumes Roe versus Wade is overturned, which I think should be our number one focus right now. And that has to do with the kind of Supreme Court justices we put on the bench. <clears throat> we have, we put up, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Uh, <clears throat> that would mean that it goes back to the states, and then the states would have to outlaw it uh, at, a, at an earlier stage than they outlaw it now. Then the question would be, who gets penalized and what should the penalty be? Uh, I think it should be fashioned along the same lines it is now. Uh, most states have uh, abortion laws that pertain the, and, and prohibit abortion uh, uh, after viability, and it goes to the doctor performing the abortion not the, the girl or the young girl or her parents, whoever it might be. I think that same pattern needs to be followed. It could just be moved up earlier or much earlier in the process. My name is AJ and I'm from Millstone, New Jersey. I would like all the candidates to give an answer on this. If hypothetically Roe vs. Wade was overturned and the Congress passed a federal ban on all abortion and it came to your desk, would you sign it? Yes or no? Mayor Giuliani? If Congress passed a ban on all abortions throughout the, uh, the United States? Right. If Roe v. Wade was overturned, Congress passed a federal ban on all abortions and it came to your desk, would you sign it? Yes or no? I probably would not sign it. I would leave it to the states to make that decision. I think that that, I think, well, the, the problem with Roe against Wade is that it took the decision away from the states. If Roe against Wade, if Roe against Wade were overturned because it was poorly decided, if the justices decide that, it would then go back to the states. And it would seem to me that that would be the answer. The answer is that each state would make a different decision. I don't believe in the circumstance that you asked before that it should be criminalized. I think that would be a mistake, unless we're talking about partial birth abortion or late-term abortion. I think you should have parental consent. I think we should have access to uh, adoptions instead of abortion. But ultimately, I think these decisions should be made on a state-by-state -state basis. Governor Romney? I, I agree with, uh, with Senator Thompson, which is we should overturn Roe v. Wade and return these issues to the states. I would welcome a circumstance where there was such a consensus in this country that we said we don't want to have abortion in this country at all, period. That would be wonderful. I'd be delighted. Is, would you sign I'd be that bill? I'm, let me say it. I'd be delighted to sign that bill, but that's not where we are. That's not where America is today. Where America is, 
is ready to overturn Roe v. Wade and return to the states that authority. But if the, if the Congress got there, we had that kind of consensus in that country, terrific. Oh, it's a